Hi, this is Gracie with Empower Ed. Welcome back to the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. I am excited to share this episode with you on the importance of belonging in a school staff culture. Belonging is such a rich topic. Researcher and author Brene Brown connects the feelings of belonging and love in our psyches and writes about the deep importance of these feelings to the human condition. She writes, a deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all women, men, and children. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to be loved, to love, and to belong. When these needs are not met, we don't function as we are meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others, we get sick. There are certainly other causes of illness, numbing and hurt, but the absence of love and belonging will always lead to suffering. That's from her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Belonging is also tricky. It's great when a school community provides a space of support and acceptance, but what if it doesn't? A lot of us know from experience that belonging can be a difficult thing to create when a staff culture veers towards toxic. For this, we were so excited to speak with Gab Sussman and Victoria Lebron from Be More Transform, a Baltimore-based learning collective that creates and facilitates transformational community experience for both students and educators. As you'll hear in our conversation, Gab and Victoria are both former educators who encountered difficult experiences in their school environments. For this, their transformative approach centers the B in DEIB initiatives and believes deeply in the connection between how much belonging adults feel in a building and positive student outcomes. During our time together, we also discuss the big emotions that come up for educators when belonging is not present in a community, how school leaders can set the right tone for their staff to truly support each other, the day-to-day practices that support belonging for both educators and students, and much more. Gavin and Victoria bring so much vibrancy and authenticity to our conversation. We hope you find a lot to relate to and some solid tools to help you build more belonging at your school and in your life. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. I am Scott Goldstein, the founder and director of Empower Ed, and super, super excited to be here with Victoria and Gab today and for this conversation that we're going to have. Hi, I am Gracia Bohovich. I'm the director of Educator Wellness for Empower Ed, and agreed we are here with two amazing human beings who work with Be More Transform, and you're going to learn a lot more about their organization and their really important mission. And we're going to dive deep into the theme of belonging, which is something we hear a lot about in our school communities that we work with around how they, people want to feel a sense of belonging, people don't feel a sense of belonging, and I think it's such an important part of the human experience and what happens in school buildings. So we're very excited excited and grateful to have you here. And can we start just um, hearing a little bit more about you, of who you are, your connection to educator wellness, and why, and tell us more about Be More Transform. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Gab. I use the she pronouns, and I am a former classroom teacher. I taught two-year-olds all the way to eighth grade, and I have my master's degree in education, educational leadership. My very basic connection to education educator wellness is the fact that I was an educator <laughs> and am an educator. Okay. I still identify as an educator. And so like be the the process of being well or trying to be well was really difficult for me and really shaped the way in which I found myself moving through institutions and 
also led me to where I am today, sitting next to my best friend. And yeah, Be More Transform. So we started Be More Transform last year, April 2022. Both of us were no longer in the classroom and still wanted to be involved with youth and use our expertise and our gifts and our passion, time, energy to still engage families, youth, and schools in the really important work of DEIB. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Victoria. My pronouns are she, her. I have a, I, I have a background in education as well. I have a master's in um, elementary inclusive education. I mostly taught third through fifth grade, but also have experience tutoring math with older kids. Similarly to Gab, I think about edu- edu- educator wellness because it was like this foregone conclusion, like you have to take care of yourself, like self-care, but they didn't really feel like there was there was like room for it. Thus, my experience with wellness was mostly feeling resentment and rage. And so that is something I don't want people to feel anymore. And a big part of what I am like aspiring to do with that we're both aspiring to do with Be More Transform is like give teachers an outlet where they can feel joy, where they can feel inspiration, where they can feel supported. Mm -hmm. So that even if they're in a building where maybe they are like, I just got to keep my head down. They can, they can know that they have a space with people who see them, value them, love them, where they can come and be their full selves with be more transparent. Victoria, you said you got a degree in elementary inclusive education. That sounds awesome. Who does that? (laughs) That was at teacher's college. Uh, At teacher's college. Okay. Was it, was, did it live up to the hype of the name? Uh, I really enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed the program a lot. I learned a lot. It was, yeah, it was, Mm -hmm. there were, there were parts I didn't love. I was going to say, and, like, that's a complex, we know, (laughs) yeah, there's, there's a little controversy around one of the very popular teachers there, right? Yes, yes, yes. Teachers college is in the news, but the, but, but the, you know, inclusive part is definitely unique, but I think the feelings that you just expressed about like how you felt about self-care and wellness, man, that is like what we hear from educators all the time, right? Like you don't give the space for this. And then yeah breeds this anger, this resentment about like, you're telling me to take care of myself. How about the system? How about the, <laughs> how about the schedule? How about everything? Right. That you set it up that way. So totally rings true. It's what we hear all the time. You talked about the DEIB framework, and I think people have heard about DEI work, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I, I've been really personally very excited when I see the B starting to show up because I was like, you can have every right, like way that you do things, but without that sense of community or that sense of mutual care, it it feels like those things don't really flourish. And so when Scott told me that you all really focus on belonging, we're so excited to talk to you more. So could you talk about what does belonging mean in the schools that you have been in either where you haven't experienced it or where you have, and how does that fit into this greater uh, framework around equity and justice? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to me, the B is Uh, Like the D, the E, and the I are things that I think are measurable at the systemic level. And and the B, however, is very personal. And belonging feels so different to everyone, Mm -hmm. every individual. And so when we see institutions valuing and explicitly talking about belonging, like you can have all the diversity, right? You can have all the equitable structures. You can have inclusive practices 
And yet, if the folks, if people in your institution don't feel like they belong, like, what is the point of the D, the E, and the I? So to me, I like the, or I think the B is important because again, as I said, it's very personal. It's very different depending on who you are. And what I experienced in the past is that, you know, schools will say, well, we're doing this, we're working towards this, or we have these goals. And, and then that's used kind of a way to gaslight people. Mm -hmm. Like you should be, at least we're doing this, right? It's worse in other places, like, or other schools don't even have things like this. And it's, and that is a very toxic and manip- manipulative, but B, like not, again, just goes to show like how disconnected some of those goals and the purpose of having DEI in a space is like, yeah, yeah if people don't feel the effects of all that work mm. and it is work, but yeah, then it's just like, what's the point? You mentioned like DEI or like these are things you can theoretically put systems in place and like check a box. And we know there's a lot of that, right? So you can be like, I put this structure in place for diversity, for equity, for inclusion. But if someone says they don't belong, they don't feel that they belong. That's right. This is an individual thing. Um, And so you have to know your people. You have to check in with your people. And your people have to feel that personally in whatever relationships they have in the building. It's not something you can... Uh, put a practice into place or do a PD once a month and check a box. Like if people don't belong, they don't feel that way. Right. So uh, yeah, I think that's really important. Victoria. I was thinking about this because I listened to your interview with Yazid Jackson and I was like, just yes, 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 yes. Because why, why, why do we (laughs) pretend that adults don't need this care. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we, we, it's like, it's like you, you get past 18 or whatever, or you leave college. I don't know. I don't know when it, I don't know when it starts, mm-hmm. honestly. And it, and it's different for different kids. Yeah. Right. And different races. Uh-huh. Like, That's yeah, what I was. Yeah. yeah. The, the expectation is that when you have your classroom, you make it, you do everything you can mm-hmm. to make those kids feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Right. You want them to feel welcome. You want them to do that. Da, da, da. And the biggest piece to me, like that cornerstone is, mm-hmm. do you trust them? Mm-hmm. Do they know you trust them? Mm-hmm. Do you trust that they know what they need? Do you trust that they are working hard? Do you trust that they're going to come talk to you? Mm-hmm. Do you trust that when they say, I think we should do this, right? Feedback, whatever, that you say, I believe them. Mm-hmm. I know this is what they need, or I think I know this is a good suggestion and I'm willing to try. Mm-hmm. Why do we do that with kids? Mm-hmm. And then with adults, literally you are pushed off a cliff. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Oops. Right. And so that makes me so upset mm-hmm. because the fact of the matter is that a lot of times we don't train kids in like dealing with conflict. There's so many times when we come in and I'll oh, apologize, like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, like How did, I, but like, it doesn't, nothing feels different. Right. Mm-hmm. But like hearing Yazi talk about restorative, I'm like, yes, yeah, that is actually like what we need to be doing with teachers too. And staff members and administrators, hi, is saying like, you need to constantly reinforce and practice 
and then reinforce and practice and reinforce and practice this idea of like, how do we make you feel that you belong here? Yeah. What do you need? Am I going to listen to your suggestions? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's cool. You check that box. Are you going to do what I'm asking for or suggesting? Yeah. If it doesn't work, okay, scrap it. Try something else. Mm-hmm. But like, if we're going to do that in our classrooms, why aren't we doing it in the school? And if you, and if I hear again, well, there's just too many different opposing. Hi, that happens in the classroom too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's just like this really strange piece of like, well, it's just not done. Or like, you're grown, you should know. Unfortunately, a lot of us don't, right? Like I am currently like really on like shedding what I learned as a young person about conflict and like being told by a parent that anger is a useless emotion, right? Like she said it to protect me, but like, dude, didn't help. And I think there are a lot of people who are really afraid of like feeling upset or feeling like, Oh, if I, if I ask for what I need, like, and I just think it's not useless. It's not a waste of time. It's really important that we know we can come and be our full selves and, and like, be messy and, and like make suggestions and be like, whoops, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. That's like, that's how you feel you belong is when it's like, you can flub and people are like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you're naming so many things here around how we just expect adults to know how to do all this stuff where we don't give them any kind of modeling or guidance or support for it. And that's something else I've been thinking about a lot in institutions is just the way we prize programming. Like we want to like create all the programming and we're going to all the outcomes that are going to come from this programming. And we don't scaffold it at all with the feedback loops and the communication and the place to even just to say this isn't working. And we've talked to teachers all the time where like they give us this initiative, it's not working. There's no way for us to push against it because there's no way to yeah. be listened. We don't even know who to go talk to about this. And, yeah. and, I, and it's, it's not just schools. It's like so many institutions go this way. And I'm like, what right. would it be like if we could put the scaffolding in place first, like create the feedback loops, create the relationships, and then add the programming in so we can really get the outcomes yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that, I think what you're bringing up is, and what you were saying, it's like a product of our capitalistic society of the fact that like, it's just grind, right? It's just grind culture. Like, but we're also not talking about it. Like, you know, know, teachers are working more than 40 hours a week. And uh, like, I was easily clocking in 60, 65. And I felt like it it was expected of me. And I, and I also felt like I needed to do it in order to do my job, job well. And so there is all of this expectation that all the programming happens. Right. And then we, it's just like this after this, after this, after this, and it's just, you never, mm-hmm. you yeah. never stop. And that's not, it doesn't build in those, those opportunities to like, and as you said, like check in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. And I mean, this is something we talk about all the time, but it's like, there's the grand culture and the capitalism, but there, I mean, there's also just, this is an education reform. It's very much tied in with those things, but this is an education reform brand that has been sold for the last 40 years or so, which is just that like our culture of high expectations means that you sacrifice yourself, right. And put students first as if putting yourself, yeah. right. And your needs is not supporting students. Right. And so like breaking up that, that belief is so crucial to what we try to achieve 
with with school leaders, with schools and promoting wellness is just that student wellness is educator wellness and educator wellness is student wellness. And you cannot pour from an empty cup, but also just that their their self-sacrifice right is not producing what uh what people think it is and a culture of high expectations does not mean right that we don't take care of ourselves that that we don't create a sense of belonging that we don't create a sense of inclusion because that is totally undermining all the academic things you think you're striving for right if you don't prioritize that and i think that we have so many school leaders that talk about the importance of creating a positive school culture um, and maybe it's because they're not measured on it or whatever else, but they're not all effective at inspiring that sense of belonging. So yeah. I'm really hearing from you, how can leaders actually set the right tone for their staff to truly support each other and create that sense of belonging? Transformational leadership shows us that you must be willing to model what you expect. Mm. And, and knows that it's not going to be, it's not going to be linear, right? Also knows that everyone's at, at like in their own place. And, and then also like, I think that even as a school leader, like I remember when I was in school training to become a school leader, that at some point along the way, I heard more and more people talking about well, the teachers don't, right? Mm-hmm. In the same in the same framework in which we hear teachers talking about the students don't, right? It's like at some somewhere along the way, you your focus shifts to like an us versus them mm-hmm. rather than seeing your primary stakeholder as like your partners. Mm-hmm. That is key to, to like this opportunity that is often being missed, which is like, how do we, how do school leaders ensure that the adults in the building are holding themselves and each other accountable to the collective thriving, <laughs> you know, like it's, you know, the framework of surviving. Your naming is like, we hear that from school leaders all the time, which is like, I would love to be flexible with people and I would love to give them grace and I would love to be able to treat everybody individually. But the problem is I have all these teachers who don't meet these deadlines, who don't come in on time, who don't, who don't, who don't, right? Um, and so you, they do get, you know, sometimes into that mindset, right, of like, well, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is we have a bunch of people who don't meet my expectations. Right. Yes. And so if I start giving grace, I'm lowering my expectations of them. And then it's just going to be chaos. Right. Like I can't let that happen. I have to hold on to the reins of control here. Right. Yes. But what they're right. doing is actually right. Undermining that sense of people wanting to be there on time of people wanting to be. Yeah. There right. Yeah. Right? Yes. And they create yeah. more of a problem for themselves because they're not willing yeah. to treat people individually or be flexible with them or give them yes. grace. Yeah. Yeah. Which that same dynamic also shows up in the classroom. So it's like, again, thinking about this group of people who you're serving and like, like our desire to control all of the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we can, again, scaffold so much. We can set them up for success so much. And the difference between like students and teachers as that group in which you're serving or the group that you're leading is that obviously like, teachers you document, right? Like you, there is a pathway to, you know, like them leaving the classroom or them leaving your institution. Whereas like with students, it's, it's different, but 
it just ends up being this, as you said, like this, this assumption that like, because we are treating people as individuals and if some people need more support, we're somehow lowering our standards or expectations. And like, that is absolutely not true because again, we're asked, educators are asked to do that all the time. And again, if, if that is an outlook that you have about your teachers, like how do your teachers see your students Mm -hmm. who are in that same expectation? Like if that's the culture of your school that like, everything is the same across the board and it has to be the same across the board. Like, A, I'm wondering just like, what is your school like? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then, but B, like, if you don't want it to be that way, then like that, there's a gap in like how we, how, how, how you are as a leader and how that is passing on. How is that, how that is passed on to your teachers? Mm. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. The thing that's coming up for me is like the culture of urgency, mm-hmm. like our capitalist society, like mm-hmm. it really encourages, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes. And it like encourages us to feel like everything is urgent. Mm-hmm. And I think so much about how like, there's like a, it's like two prongs, like a, we're not enemies. We're working towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. But like, if you, it, we have to try and understand where each other is coming from, which you were saying, like, well, why are, you know, maybe there's a reason why they're coming in late every day. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, if you could understand what that is, mm-hmm. but you you need to take time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I remember teaching like, and just feeling like so much urgency from other like teachers around me. And I was mm-hmm. just like, what are we rushing yeah. to? Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Wh- and urgency in weird places too, like oh. that. But then it, when yeah. it's like, oh, this kid is like in crisis or mm-hmm. like something racist was just said, yes. like we need to pause. And they're like, wait, but like the curriculum, yeah, what? wait. Hold and on. Like, we have this like assessment coming up. Like, I don't care. No yeah. one is going to be able to, if, if they can't, yeah. if I can't focus, mm-hmm. how can they focus? Mm-hmm. Right. And I just, there, there's so much that's like, it, it is it, that the priorities are really strange mm-hmm. and it, and it, and it just, it feels like so much of it is like, there's this programming that goes on that it's like not the, the programming that the school does, but it's like a mental programming mm-hmm. of like this, this is what's important and this isn't. And like, if we could shed some of that urgency, mm-hmm. and actually spend more time of the, in the day, like just being human mm-hmm. with our students mm-hmm. and yes. being human with each other in the building, right? Like, why do we need five days of academics? Mm-hmm. Maybe it I doesn't like- need to be academics. Maybe it could be like three days of academics and then like two days of like, we're doing social emotional stuff. We're existing. We're having fun. We're like still in community. I don't know. But like, yeah, well, I, I, mean, I, think- I love what you're saying about the culture of urgency. Cause it's like, that is totally the culture that we're in. But, but here's the thing, like we've been doing that culture, right. For at least the last 30, 40 years of education, where it's like, we are in a rush because we see these gaps, right. Uh, in education and we're in a rush to close them. And in that rush, we've done none of that closing because, because we're not focused on these things. Right. So like we have been urgently trying to close gaps around what, you know, people will call achievement, right. For the last 30, 40 years. And in all of that urgency, because we're not willing to pause and do the work that is essential to any of that being successful, the underlying stuff about the culture you create, the kind of stability you create, whether teachers want to be there, whether students want to be there, whether the curriculum you have makes people get up in the morning and say, I want to go to school. If you're not willing to do any of those things, you can rush all you want and we'll have another 40 years without closing any of those gaps. 
realizing too that like we create it like yeah. our society created these standards yeah right like what are so we're rushing towards standards that we created mm-hmm. that we told children they need mm-hmm. to well, we didn't create we inherited well, we but, did yeah, we, yeah, yes yeah. yes mm-hmm. but yeah and like now now we're here yeah when i when i so like right after college i did an internship in the manhattan borough president's office interviewing principals about the rollout of no child left behind Mm -hmm. and what i heard from so many people was i don't have time to think about this i have a teacher teaching in a stairwell Mm -hmm. right i have kids who are coming in in crisis i have i don't care about this Mm -hmm. also and then and then other people being like why is this what's important Mm -hmm. And like, that was so radicalizing for me, that idea that like, okay, so as a teacher, I'm supposed to be focusing on this test that does nothing for me. It does nothing for my students. It enriches someone though, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, I feel like we're really feeling the effects of that, Mm -hmm. you know, like the effects of how like we're told we're supposed to care about something because it is important that the students can achieve X, Y, Z. And so, but then we don't have enough time to do anything else. And we're just like, well, Mm -hmm. if I I would, I would, if I had time, but I don't have time. And it's like, you can create the time. Yeah. The time question is so hard to solve for because of the story that there is no time and to do the things that are essential. And and I I get that there are very real deliverables and that's why it's empower. And we really focus on advocacy too, because I think some of these things really need to be changed at this greater system-wide level of just even hearing from teachers right now that like the amount of meetings that they're required to be in that are just district mandates right now that the school principals are like, there's, we don't even have control over this and teachers don't have planning time because they need to be in meeting after meeting. And it's like just being able to look at that bigger thing and push back. But I keep thinking about the phrase, like, if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Cause that's, and the thing uh, this brings it back to belonging is that like so many teacher voices do not get listened to because I think teachers completely see all of the way the system is not working. And then the, because the feedback loops are not there. So as teachers, we, we love, we love visionaries and we really identified you all early on as just being great, big visionary thinkers. But what is your bigger vision for what a system based on educator wellness and belonging would look like? I think about how like when schools implement like a social emotional learning program for their students it's something that they start to do every single day right you you don't you don't do it once Mm -hmm. you don't devote an hour to it once you do it every day you practice it every day yeah and through things you know like we always did morning meetings right and like that's a great way to help kids feel like they belong because you ask them how they're feeling. You talk about what's going on in the classroom. You talk about what's going on in their lives mm-hmm. and you, you do tie it. Fidelity. Yes. 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 Because there are plenty of people who do morning meetings that and don't mm-hmm. tie in this, mm-hmm. the, the, the mission behind it. Right. But, right. Yeah. That like maybe somebody comes and they bring up something they're struggling with. And we talk about like, I, we would, when I ran it we, every Friday, we would talk about like, you know, what was one good thing? What's one thing you want to work on? And like seeing how they would support each other and be like, it's okay. Like there was one kid I remember once who was really frustrated about like a, you know, an assessment and like the other kids just telling her like, you're, you're doing fine. It's not about the grade. It's about like your process or so. I was just so like, 
I was very inspired. And so I think about we, that's what teachers need too, right? That's what staff need. That's what administrators need is like the ability to practice this constantly, right? Like that's my, for me, that's my vision is like creating a culture of constant practice where it's not, it's not given one hour during one PD, you know, which is like, that happens a lot. Or maybe, maybe you're given a full day. Ooh, now let's open the champagne, right? Like it, it, you have, we ha- it has to be every single day because it, it has to become a habit and normalized. And like when you, and genuine, yeah. Right. Like I remembered feeling like, so like we, we, we taught on the same team during the year that schools, it was like major pandemic, mm-hmm. right? 20 to 21. 20, yeah. Mm-hmm. And during that summer, the school made a show of asking us what we thought they wanted our feedback, all of that. Mm-hmm. They hire these like very expensive. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone's yeah. asked for their feedback. So many Zoom meetings. So many so surveys. So many. Sur- oh, Lord, the surveys. Right. And then they did what they wanted to do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> when, Come August. <laughs> when I tell you, I am still angry. Like, I still think about it once a week. It's because it was so disrespectful. Did I feel like I belonged in that moment? No. no. Did any of us? Up. No. There were some people who were like, well, they listened. They, they were like, was like just, just like, and I was just like, but they didn't care. I spent an hour on that survey that was like long form answers mm-hmm. and like what came of it. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't feel like I was trusted. It didn't feel like my concerns were valid. It didn't feel like my suggestions were cared about because it was like, well, there's just so many of us and we really have to think of the kids. And it was that idea of like, you say the kids. we are going to do this exercise yeah. to check this box. Right. So anyway, yeah. my vision is that it's got to be, if you're going to do the undertaking of the like visual follow through, mm-hmm. yeah. do the actual thing, right? We always talk about, you've got to walk the talk. Mm-hmm. don't i'm i don't care about don't talk the talk puff who cares it's just air mm-hmm. walk it i was talking about this with my wife the other day but i, I was in two different schools and you know meetings are always a stress point that in, in dc public schools for example the teachers union contractors you get out at 315 and there's only once a month where you're allowed to have a staff meeting after that point so the ability to kind of have meetings right and get together in that way is limited and totally understand uh, 10 years of teaching like the aversion to having so many meetings in our schedule but but i was in a school before that at a charter school where like we had a practice of every especially at the beginning of the year every day when class is finished we met as the full staff and it was not long but it was like what just happened <laughs> let's talk about some of the students together that are you know we all need to pitch in right to to help them right now and what's going on in your class what's going on in my class and it was just like so refreshing to me like it created so much belonging mm-hmm. among the teachers and it, it was extra time um, it might not fit into your your like the typical approach or what the contract allows or something, but we were just like to be with adults after we were just with the kids all day, right? And just to like debrief it really quick created such a sense of belonging. And so then that was like a constant practice of it. And right. you know, I was at even at a DC public school where they did that at the beginning of the year. They do ten minute meetings after the day, like all the adults get together for ten minutes and just like, what can we do better tomorrow? Um, mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. and that kind of constant practice, I think, is really not typical, right, in our schools. Gavin, no. I'm curious to hear from you too in your broader vision. Yeah. Um I think transparency is something that like I'm thinking about what Victoria said that was missing a lot. And I think that a lot of our society operates on this like need to know basis, Mm. which again is like white supremacist, capitalistic and not how we build trust. Right. And if we want people to feel like they actually belong and then also to voice when they feel like that is slipping away or things have changed, right? Like we need to be very transparent as to like what decisions are made, how decisions are made. And yeah, just, I guess just how decisions are made and yeah, just like really thinking about what you said when that experience was so gross and, and I've seen it all along the way, how leaders, they ask for feedback, they have you fill out surveys, they do one-on-ones. And then ultimately they, they come to a decision. And oftentimes I feel like, so you, you heard me, but the part, it seems like you still, you were, you were, you were soliciting my feedback in order to try to convince you to not go with your original idea, which is like Mm. not, Mm -hmm. that's not transformative. And that's not liberatory. That's not like, if we are just the ones making the decisions and everyone else, it's like the person at the table, that's like, Oh my God. Me. I was literally thinking right? that mean. Yes, yeah. What is yes. he like? Um, uh, I don't know. He's some creepy white supremacist guy, but he, it's like something is. Yeah. Uh, like something is wrong or whatever. That's what it is. Yeah. To, like, yeah. convince me I'm wrong or tell me I'm wrong, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And it's mm-hmm. like, we can't operate with that like binary limited mindset because again, if I'm just like, you know, floating around the world, assuming that my perspective is right. I mean, that like, that is just so off. Like, I'm like, I'm literally never going to be able to succeed in my goals and like see my vision come to fruition because I guess like my goals involve collectivism and Mm -hmm. liberation, Mm -hmm. which I can't do alone. But like, ultimately, leaders can't, especially at schools, And even in the classroom, like you can't do everything yourself. Right. And so like you need to lean on other folks and you need the support of the people you're leading. You know, if you're trying to convince kids that it's a bright sunny day out, but we're going to stay inside for recess, like good luck. Right. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, like if you're, if I don't know, like if you're trying to make some decision and you're not sharing why, or at least giving folks an opportunity, like you're having discussion, then like, again, it's just like, you're, why even include, it feels like even more manipulative and toxic when you like set me up to uh, expect that like my voice is valued when you're just, again, going to just do whatever you want. So um, I think our, my vision, right. is just like, zero out of 10 of that Mm -hmm. and like 10 out of 10 of like listening 
and taking a chance. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. yes, it's the trusting, trying. Yeah. Yeah. Trying. I keep thinking of the Adrian Marie Brown quote, like trust the people and they will become trustable too. But like, if you really want to instill trust, you have to give trust. And, and it's, it's just so important what we're naming here because it's not complicated in a lot of ways. Like it's listening and I think it's, it's going on a journey. And that's something I've really learned about wellness, especially working in schools that it's not just a set of deliverables. It's about people giving themselves to the journey of like, we don't quite know what this looks like. And we're going to show up together and try to figure that out and be vulnerable and accountable. But I think belonging yeah. to the journey. And I think that especially for like school leaders, like to give themselves to that, to be like, I don't, I don't know the right way. And can we just like, yeah, be right. yeah I think so in theory, right? Trust is not hard, but in practice, right? It is, it's, it's hella hard. And I think it took me like at least two years in like weekly therapy to understand that, like, I don't need to control things. I have a very strong desire to control things. And that I learned that from the like formative adults in my life. And how has that affected all of my relation? You know, how do I move through the world? And I think Oftentimes, again, our society expects so much from educators and doesn't give them the tools Mm. to, doesn't give us the tools to like do what we need to do well. And so like we cling to all the control that we can muster to make us feel like we can shoulder through. And that is not the way to go. And I know that it's really, it's really risky for individual teachers, but also like individual principals to, mm-hmm. to do the radical thing and to, again, trust their staff to take some time out of the like new math curriculum, professional development, right? Mm-hmm. To just have people voice their concerns versus, and similarly with teachers, right? Like when you take time out of your teaching time, to like, to hear from kids, like, you know, that scene, like, oh, you fell behind. You're not, you're not doing this. Like that wasn't part of the lesson plan. And similarly, that is also expected on school leaders. Mm -hmm. And it is like, you are sticking your neck out. You like, we saw, like we had targets on our back and because ultimately that kind of radical and like revolutionary those revolutionary acts are seen as threats to the people who want things to be status quo. And so like, it it is really scary. And I think this is also why like the be and belonging doesn't necessarily just have to be with your school institution. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, you need to feel like you belong to your school's institution, but like Educators deserve spaces where they can show up mm-hmm. and feel like they belong in other places outside yes. of their job. Because again, like if you work in a hostile school environment, like you need that support, you need triaging, like mm-hmm. between that moment to when you eventually exit the institution. And so I think that like finding ways to, and I know, and again, this is like also easier said than done, but to like find other communities outside of work. And again, like even when, when we were teachers, like, because our hours are so messed up, (laughs) you're up really early, you're working on the weekends. Like 
it's very natural to gravitate towards other teachers. And so like find other teachers, like in your city, in your region, like in your life that you can just be with and feel like you, like they get you. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Everything that you're, you all have said in this episode, I feel like it's like, it's what so many teachers need to hear. And we're really grateful for your time and kind of like your struggle that you brought here and the, like the realness of your emotions. I think people, it's really cathartic to like be able to hear that. So thank you so much for being here with us. And um, for people who are super excited to know more about you, which I know people are, can you tell people how they can stay in touch with you? Yeah, of course. So we are on Instagram um, at Be More Transform. And we also have a website, bemoretransform.org slide into our dms <laughs> we are email is also be more transformed at gmail.com so um feel free to also email us we love being in community with people we have connections all over the country and just love to be there to support like other people who work with kids and are feeling isolated or feeling alone or feeling like they need community so yeah please reach out to us quick plug if anyone um, is interested, we have a series called Liberation Libations. Um, our next one is October 12th mm-hmm. um, at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. at Impact Hub here in Baltimore. And it's for teachers and other people who work with youth. Yeah. Um, and we are building a community of care. Mm-hmm. And we also have some great mm-hmm. alcohol sponsors. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 We, we meet monthly. So yeah, if someone is watching this after October 12th mm-hmm. on our website has more information about where people can meet us in person or meet us virtually. Mm-hmm. We have lots of things that we can offer folks. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Gab. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you to everyone who is listening and grappling with the big questions of belonging and wellness. And we look forward to staying in touch. All right, bye, everyone. Thank you both. Thank you. Bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please pass it along to another educator wellness advocate and rate us five stars so others can discover our podcast. We also hope you stay in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, ideas, and recommendations for future podcast guests and themes. Just email us at wellness at weareempowered. That just looks like weareempowered.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and TikTok with the same handle as EmpowerEdDC or visit us at weareempowered.org. Thanks again. We are all part of this educator wellness revolution and we really appreciate your time and energy. Bye.